This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So we are going to, today, we are going to wrap up the At the Movies series. And uh, as I do every time, I mention, you know, uh, you know, why, why do we do a movie series? Well, um, one, it's summertime. The kids are out. Let's do something that's fun. Uh, secondly, God speaks to us in different ways. How many of you would say that you've watched something on TV or you've seen a movie or heard a story and God showed you something through that? I mean, you had a moment where you went, wow, that's, that's powerful. And it's something that really spoke to you. And it was, you know, the spirit of God. We know that Jesus told parables. He told lots of parables. And, you know, these are stories that have a message in them, you know, that, that is uh, inspirational, inspires us. And I believe God can speak to us through anything, don't you? How many of you have ever walked, taken, just taken a walk outside, and, man, you just sense the presence of God and all creation around you? Isn't it amazing how when our focus is on where it should be, it's amazing what God can show us um, in a moment. So, um, did anybody guess the movie for this week? Yes. Somebody did guess a movie this week. Actually, we had a couple of them. Um, is Megan Barber here? I haven't seen her this morning. I don't think she's here this morning. So the second is, come on, man, was, uh, if he's in the room, I'm not sure, was Michael Feed. There he is. Come on, man. It was, it was a little tough one this time, I, I, I do believe. Um, I've had a couple of you ask me the, <clears throat> the clue on... Uh, on Facebook, the first one was the 49ers, and everybody's going, the 49ers? What in the world? What kind of movie, you know, was that in? Um, and then I had to give a second clue to, to kind of get it out there, and the second clue was Subway. And Megan and Michael Feed got it right. It was The Pursuit of Happiness. How many of you have seen The Pursuit of Happiness? What a great movie. Um, and for those of you who are wondering, uh, you may remember if you've seen that movie when uh, Will Smith and his son, uh, they meet the CEO and he takes him to a 49ers game and he meets all these contacts, all these people that help him uh, to get his business started. Um, so anyway, um, we like I say, we'll watch this on Wednesday and yep, there's a movie poster, The Pursuit of Happiness. And the movie, I will mention the movie is PG-13 and it is uh, because of language, actually it's because of one word that's in there that all the language will be filtered out Wednesday night uh, when, you come to, uh, when you come to watch it. It'll be edited out. But The Pursuit of Happiness is one of the, one of the better movies that I've ever seen, and you guys will probably agree. Uh, I picked up Dr. Leon from the airport um, last, I guess it was Saturday. I picked him up from the airport, and he keeps up with us. He, he sometimes is on the, look, jumps on the live stream and, and sees what we're doing. And he said, now, now what movies have y'all shown so far? And I told him, and uh, he goes, oh yeah, those are great ones. And uh, he said, what's the last one? And I said, The Pursuit of Happiness. And he looked at me and goes, that's exactly what I was going to suggest. What a great movie. What a great movie that is. So, um, so The Pursuit of Happiness grossed $163 million domestically in the United States and over $300 million worldwide. And as a result, it earned Will Smith an Academy Award uh, nomination for, for Best Actor. And so before we go any further, let's, uh, let's, watch the, let's watch the trailer right quick. That is The Pursuit of Happiness. Let there be light. There it is. Awesome. Power of words. Uh, let me give you a quick summary. I read this online. It, it's a little lengthy, but it, it tells the story quite well. So let me read this to you right quick. The Pursuit of Happiness is a 2006 movie based on the true story of Chris Garner of Gardner of San Francisco. He grew up in poverty. His father was nowhere to be found at birth. His mother was in prison twice. He spent time in foster care, time in different family members' homes, and time being abused by his stepfather. 
As a result of his mother's chaotic life and his stepfather's abuse, he made the decision that he would never drink alcohol or be abusive toward others. He was also sexually assaulted at some point in early life by a man who was a gang member. He joined the Navy, which brought him a moment of rescue. After the Navy, he became a medical supply salesman. He was not successful. He and his wife had a son, but the marriage ended when the, father, when the child's mother left him. He was left to care for the boy alone. Life continued to get more and more difficult. There were taxes to pay, overdue parking tickets. The rent went unpaid. Eventually, got to be the most important to money, and he and his son were evicted. He had lost everything, but the one thing that turned out to be the most important to him was his son. That relationship, that commitment to caring for and providing for his son is what kept him going. He wasn't aspiring to be wealthy so that he could find happiness. He was pursuing happiness, which for him meant steady employment so that he could enjoy the one thing in life that truly made him happy, his son. So that they could have money for food, they slept on the streets or spent many nights in the subway station bathroom. The subway sink became their place to bathe. Garner slept with one foot on the bathroom door at night uh, to keep it closed. Eventually, he found a church in San Francisco that had a program for homeless mothers and their children, and the program allowed him as a homeless father to come into the program for food and shelter. Once it dawned on Gardner that he was good with people and good with numbers, he figured out his life's purpose and began to devote his talents, time, and efforts to becoming a stockbroker. If you know the story, you know he became extremely successful, very wealthy, and he now has firms in three major U.S. cities. In addition, he wrote an autobiography about his life called The Pursuit of Happiness, which was made into a major motion picture, and he's gone on to not only be a motivational speaker, but a philanthropist giving back to the church that helped him, as well as many or other organizations who assist uh, those who are homeless and downtrodden. Now, I think we have a picture of the book. If um, I actually have not read it yet. I've only seen the movie. I didn't know that it was a, uh, I didn't know that it was a book first, uh, but um, I definitely have to read that now. I also found a picture of the real Chris Gardner with, um, with Will Smith and uh, his son, Jaden, and uh, just to kind of get a look at him. And Chris Gardner actually does make a cameo appearance in the very last scene of the movie. And if you were looking at the trailer, he was actually in the very last scene of the trailer as well. He walks right past Will Smith and his son, and they acknowledge each other and keep on walking. So if you're here for the movie Wednesday night, you can, um, you can watch for, uh, for that. So um, anyway, to, uh, to jump right on in, um, I, I will tell you this, uh, I'm only going to show one clip from the, from the movie this morning. I hope that's all right. Y'all come, uh, come out Wednesday night. This thing kind of grew on me, kind of blew up, and, and uh, then I was trying to figure out how to make the movie fit in a little bit more. Um, but um, this, this got me thinking about, the, the, even in the title of this movie, it got me thinking about happiness. You know, um, the pursuit of happiness as, as Americans, isn't it all right? Doesn't the Constitution... Doesn't it, the Declaration of Independence, doesn't the Declaration of Independence mention it? Talks about life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Happiness, is it, is it a pursuit? Is it a journey? Is it, um, is it a hope or is it a dream? Is it even attainable? Um, you know, in a 2016 poll, they found that only one in three Americans claim to be. to talk about happiness. So what is happiness? There's a lot of talk about happiness. We have a lot of songs about happiness. Y'all finish a line of this song. Don't worry. Yeah, you know it. McDonald's has tried to convince us that there's a meal that will make our children happy. <laughs> that is until they get the blue toy instead of the green one and they have a meltdown. Right? We all want the story or the movie to have a happy ending. 
Uh, one of the most watched sitcoms of all time was called Happy Days. I hear people all the time, you may have said it yourself, you may have said to somebody, do what makes you happy. Happiness. How many of you would agree that our culture is obsessed with happiness? People go into crazy amounts of debt to do what they believe will make them happy. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about it, people will lie and they will cheat and they will steal and they will violate their their very convictions for something that they believe will make them happy. Isn't it true? We've all been there. Happiness. Now, if you've been a part of the church for any length of time, you've heard me talk about happiness, and the statement that I make very often is that God never promised us happiness, right? Happiness is based on circumstance. We weren't promised happiness. As a matter of fact, we were promised trial and tribulation. However, as I always say, we can have joy in the midst of life's worst storms. And here's the thing. I stand by that statement. But as, as our culture loves getting into this, I realized a couple of things I hadn't really thought of before. As our culture loves to do, how many of you would agree our culture loves to redefine things? Redefine, I mean, we could come up with a ton of things that meant one thing at one time and now means something totally different. Our culture loves to define things. Our culture loves to define who Jesus is. Our culture loves to define what is right and wrong. And I believe that our culture has redefined happiness. And it's really pretty simple. If things are going the way I expect, things are going my way, then I'm happy. Right? If things aren't going my way, what? People say it all the time. I'm not happy. I heard Miss Brenda say it before service. I'm not happy. The movie series is ending. I'm not happy. People say it all the time. I'm not happy. There was mustard instead of mayo on my burger. Right? I'm not happy. After a bit of study, I've come to a little bit of a different conclusion. Hear me out before you revolt. I believe God does desire that we're happy. But not by today's definition. It's become very self-centered instead of God-centered. The Bible does talk about happiness, but it's not what we generally picture. So I'm going to give you a couple of points and I believe that through this, we're going to talk about happiness, and through this, I believe that we're going to come up with a more clear biblical picture of happiness. And uh, let me mention, as I have uh, for, for weeks now, um, if you're watching online, I, I apologize. You're not going to be able to see or hear uh, the, the movie clip that, you know, that we show here in a few minutes, um, but, uh, but I, I believe you're going to get the gist of um, get the gist of this message. So uh, I'm just going to give you two points today, and if you would, if you want to follow along, there was a note sheet in your service guide. You can follow along with that. It'll give you the scriptures and a couple of blanks where you can fill in the points. But number one, first point, true happiness is a byproduct of loving God. True happiness is a byproduct of loving God. The world actually, let me say this, all of humanity pursues happiness. 
But the world pursues happiness by getting things, by getting stuff, by fulfilling their desires, fleshly desires. But I would present to you that this is Jesus. Happiness, which is for the believer, I believe is really more contentedness and fulfillment. It comes through loving the Lord. So before I explain this, you know, why is this? Why do we love the Lord? Why? What, what does it mean? What does it mean to love the Lord? Because we know it's a command, right? Very first scripture you got in your notes, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Most of you know this. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. It's on the screen if you're wondering. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, all your mind. The Bible tells us that loving God is the most important commandment. Jesus said that, right? It's the most important thing. But what does it mean? Because here's the thing. We live in an age that has redefined love. We live in a culture that has redefined love. Love is a feeling. You've heard me say it before. We love chocolate, right? Love. In the Bible, love isn't as much a feeling as it is an action. Love in the Bible is tightly connected to doing. It's connected to action. And specifically, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, it's connected to doing God's will, to following his commandments. Jesus made this very plain. Y'all know John 14. Actually, we're going to read a little bit of John 14 if you want to turn to it, if you have your Bible with you. John 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what? Keep my commandments. I read a couple different versions. The Message Bible said, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. But look at the Passion Translation. I love this. Loving me, Jesus said, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Isn't that awesome? If you're in John 14, jump down a few verses to verse 21. Still Jesus speaking here. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. In verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him saying, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who said. Here's the thing. Loving God and keeping his commands, which we find in, in the Word of God, right? Loving God and keeping his commands are inseparable. But we've tried to separate it. Jesus made this abundantly clear. The one who loves and keeps the Word of God loves him. Those who don't keep the Word of God don't love him. Loving God, then, being the top commandment, does not mean that I feel all good sitting in my chair on Sunday morning. What it means is that I live a life trying to make sure that everything I do pleases him. In 1 John 4, 
verse 19, verses 19 through 21. He said, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a what? He's a liar. For he he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. This kind of sounds like what we uh, say in our church, loving God. Loving people, right? Which falls under serving the world. There's a lot of things that have been redefined and a lot of mistruths that have even seeped into the church. And I think one of those is this idea that God doesn't really care what we do. All he really cares about, you know, he doesn't care about us keeping his commands, keeping his will. All that really matters is that moment when we began in the faith. And we prayed that prayer. Jesus, come in my heart. That's what, and that's what many in the church believe today. That's all that really matters. Starting in the faith. So, that faith that we claim to have and loving God have been separated from our everyday lives. And it's kind of just kind of been considered this condition of the heart. Well, well, God knows my heart, and I'm saved by grace. Amen? And, you know, there's a certain amount of truth to that, but it's this belief that our heart, our mindsets, can be separated from how we actually live before God. But faith, you know what faith means? There's one of the definitions of faith means being faithful. Faith means to be faithful. You have to be something if you have faith. And what you have to be is faithful. And the faithful one cares to please the one to whom he is faithful. Does that make sense? And I think in many ways that we've lost that. We have to be faithful to care to do God's will and keep his commandments. And here's the thing, and we're talking about happiness, because I think in this, this sounds awfully weird, especially to a worldly mindset, and I think maybe to a certain extent to our mindsets. Because we're saying, so to be happy, I need to love God by serving him and keeping his commandments. Go try saying that in the world. People are trying to, there's pursuing happiness everywhere. Well, all you need to do is love God by serving him and keeping his commandments. You're going to get shouted down. Because that doesn't sound like happiness in the world today. Many in our society would counter that by saying, I'll be happy when people serve me and keep my commands. Where's my mayo? Right? But as we know, many times our culture runs completely opposite to the kingdom of God, to the way things are in the kingdom, right? For instance... The first will be last. The last will be first. I give to receive. Kind of runs counter to our culture, doesn't it? Unconditional love. Freedom through surrender. Freedom through being a servant. It's totally counter to our culture, isn't it? And many times to our mindsets as well. Because we live in the world, don't we? And sometimes in our weakness, we allow these things to infiltrate us. So, we find happiness 
in loving the Lord. So let's look for just a minute. If you got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. The most famous message that Jesus ever taught. What's it called? Sermon on the Mount. And in that we find the Beatitudes. Y'all familiar with the Beatitudes? I was looking at that this week and I'd kind of stumbled upon something that I hadn't really seen. And we're, we're going to read this, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. So stick with us here for just a minute as we read this. Seeing the crowds, he, being Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What's the one word we see over and over in these verses? Blessed. In this, I... In my Logos Bible software, I looked up the word blessed. Um, the original Greek word that, that's translated from, the Greek word is makadios. Somebody say makadios. Makadios, as you can see, it means blessed. You know what the literal translation of it is? Happy. I'd never really seen that before. Look it up. Happy, it can also mean fortunate. So let's look back at it, though. If we go back to verse 3, as Jesus is teaching them here, and let's take the word blessed, and let's put in the word happy, and see how counter this runs to our mindsets and the culture. Happy are the poor in spirit. Tried declaring that from the street. Happy are the poor in spirit. And really this just simply means recognizing your dependence on Jesus. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Verse 4. Happy are those who mourn. Yikes. The Message Bible says, those who lose what they find most important and find the one who is most important. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek. The humble, those folks are just considered weak in our culture today. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 6, I'm sorry, the word happy. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or for God, for they shall be satisfied. Happy are the merciful. The Passion Translation says, those who demonstrate tender mercy toward others, for they shall receive mercy. Happy are the pure in heart. The Message Bible says, when you can get your heart right before God, for they shall see God. Verse 9, happy are the peacemakers. Again, the Message Bible says, when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight. 
for they shall be called the sons of God. Verse 10, happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I'm a God. I mean, he just means persecuted for doing what's right, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then verse 11, happy are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And it says that as a result, you can rejoice and be glad. We do think of that in happiness. Why? Not because of what's happening right now, but because of the reward that we know is in heaven for us. Y'all getting this? Every human being pursues happiness. God has placed this within us. Every human being. But when personal happiness becomes the end goal of what we seek, then it becomes the driving force of our life. Instead of the Holy Spirit for us as believers. Can you see that? When personal happiness begins to become the end goal, it becomes a driving force. Have you seen that in people's lives? Have you seen that in your life? There was something that you were consumed with that maybe you never said it, maybe you never even thought it, but down deep you were seeking happiness in that thing, whatever it may have been. In this, through this thought process, when we allow this to become our end goal, our thought process and our decisions is no longer is this pleasing to God, but it's does this make me happy. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Man, I have heard that verse quoted before. This doesn't mean that we go to God seeking that personal happiness and believe that he's going to give us whatever we want. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 37 verse 4, it's implied that delighting yourself in the Lord is the desire of the human heart. Does that make sense? So it's not about getting stuff. It's not like if, if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me everything I ever wanted. No, it means that my heart is going to be satisfied and happy because that's what it was made for. That's why people looking for happiness in all other places can never be satisfied. Have you seen people that are always seeking after stuff and after things? Sometimes they're some of the most unhappy. Some of y'all know my side work that I do, my side job, side business. I know millionaires and billionaires. Some of them are followers of the Lord, and they are truly happy. Some of them are really unhappy. I've known people that have won, I've known multiple people that have won hundreds of millions of dollars. Most of them have lost it within three to four years. Because they use that to get stuff that they thought would make them happy. Look at it. Look at the stats. Three to four years, most people lose everything they won. Did not bring fulfillment. When you seek happiness in Christ, you'll find it. Happiness, listen to this, I read this. Happiness, just like blessing, is always a byproduct of loving God. But whenever blessing becomes the focus, you lose the blessing and your love for God. When you love God over the blessing, like happiness, you get both. That's kind of like giving, when we give our tithes and our offerings. If you're giving to receive, you've lost the point. It's not going to do anything for you. Does that make sense? 
When we pursue happiness without a desire to please God, a perversion will follow. Just like we see in the world today, and just like many times we fight in our own lives, in our own hearts. When we seek, when we pursue happiness without that desire to please God, it becomes a perversion. What I'm talking about, that redefining happiness and what it truly is. So true happiness comes from loving and serving God, which brings me to my second point, another conclusion. Number two, true happiness then is a choice. Happiness is a choice. It's not a feeling that's satisfied by material things. It doesn't matter how much stuff you get, you're not going to find happiness. It might make you happy for a minute, right? But it's going to go quickly. I am going to show a movie clip here just a second. In this clip, Chris Garner and his son, they've been sleeping in the subway and whatnot, and they finally, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, they hear about this church that, um, that will shelter um, a parent with a child and give them food. And so they would run each day to this church to get in line because they could only take so many. They only had so many beds. And so in this, you see that they've been waiting in line to get into the homeless shelter just to have a place to sleep and, and to uh, get a bite to eat. Let's show that right quick. In this clip, um, you see I, them, you know, in this homeless shelter that this church is, has. And um, I wonder how many of us would be able to, to laugh and play with our child in a homeless shelter. I think that many of us would feel awfully pitiful and sorry for ourselves. But, you know, um, in this, he's, he's going upstairs to work on this medical device just to try to make money to get a little food for the next day, and, and he's still in this internship. But he's been working hard and real, realizing his giftings and talents, and, and he's running hard through them while he's homeless. And, um, you know, in the midst of it, he knows what's important. He doesn't give up. He puts his son first. And it's all about decisions. It's all about choices. And, you know, in watching this and knowing his story, I think most folks would have given up, you know, long before he did. And actually, this movie seems to take place over a short period of time, but you find out that in actuality, he pursued this for eight years of his life. Eight years. You know, when it comes to our choices and decisions that we make, you guys know that sin always puts self first, doesn't it? It's always about self. Sin is always selfish. And when sin is first, it will keep itself there by wishing a self-centeredness. Isn't that true? The only solution to self-centeredness, the only solution to sin in general is Jesus. But again, sin is a choice. Following Jesus is a choice. And God always gives us that choice, doesn't he? We can choose to serve self or we can choose to serve him. So when a person chooses to surrender their life to Jesus, they become a new creation, right? And one of the greatest changes that occurs in somebody's life when they make Jesus Lord of their life, one of the greatest changes is how we achieve our happiness and our fulfillment. The world thinks that Christians can't have fun. The world thinks that Christ followers can no longer pursue happiness. But it's simply not biblical. 
The Bible doesn't teach Christians not to pursue happiness. The Bible teaches us how to pursue happiness. And it's in God alone through Jesus. So God's way of bringing life and fulfillment is completely different from the world's. Man says, do whatever it takes to make yourself happy. God says, do whatever it takes to make God happy. And in the process, you'll find greater joy and fulfillment than ever before. Man's pursuit of happiness will always fail. God's happiness for man finds its end goal in God, who, by the way, is infinite, which means our joy, our happiness, our satisfaction fulfillment is infinite in him. For Christians, happiness is more, like I said before, it's more fulfillment and satisfaction than the world's pursuit of a feeling. It's the fulfillment that comes from knowing who you are. It's fulfillment from, that comes from knowing that you're where you're supposed to be in him. It's the fulfillment of knowing that the creator of the universe is walking with you and that you've got his favor and his blessing on your life, that you're doing what you were created to do, that you're fulfilling his will and his purpose and his plan for your life. These hands ministered to 20 verses 34 and 35. It says, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way. We must, in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. True happiness is found when we stop living for ourselves. True happiness is found when we allow ourselves to be crucified with Christ and begin living for him. And you guys realize it's all about the choices that we make. You know, it's amazing how people... It's amazing how people, even believers, seek recognition and promotion. Even as our elder, even as Zach mentioned this morning, those are good things. But God is the one who brings recognition and promotion. If we're seeking those things for our own gain, they're going to come up empty. And by the way, it's amazing to me, even, obviously I've seen it more so from the church perspective, of people, especially in the church, who have said things like, well, the church hasn't, hasn't you know, recognized me. The church hasn't recognized the giftings and talents in me. I should be this leader in the church. You recognize that nobody can promote you but God? And nobody can keep you from promotion but yourself. And we've all been guilty of it at times. We've pursued something to satisfy this void within us that we're looking for in the wrong places. You know, I believe that there are plenty of unhappy people who sit in church every Sunday and they give their tithes and their offerings and they lift their hands during worship and they find themselves truly happy and unfulfilled. Why is that? Well, I believe many of them, they have truly recognized the importance of surrendering their life to Jesus. And I believe that they have, they have given their life to Christ. However, they have failed to release this worldly selfish mindset, this view of happiness and fulfillment that was picked up from the world. We've all been guilty of it sometimes, haven't we? So they're still pursuing happiness in the same manner that they were before they received Christ. And so they find themselves 
in many ways unfulfilled and still seeking happiness in all these other places when in reality it's right in front of them. Happiness comes when we put our faith in Jesus. And it's not a one-time thing. We choose to put legs, put action to our faith Lord, by keeping his commands and choosing to be like Jesus. Happiness comes when we choose to give up our life for Christ. Jesus said, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. Happiness comes when we choose to become who God desires and doing what God has created us to do. Happiness comes when we choose to share God's love, his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his forgiveness with those around us. Happiness comes when we choose to put others before ourselves. That's true happiness. It's just the enemy is just perverted happiness in our world today. And we've got to eradicate that mindset out of our minds as we pursue happiness. We've got to find it in Christ. Amen? We've got to stop seeking to fulfill the void of happiness in our lives with earthly things. So the two points. One, true happiness is a byproduct of loving God. Loving Him, serving Him, keeping His commands, being Christ-like. Two, true happiness is in the choices that we make. God doesn't choose us. God doesn't make us choose correctly. We have to run hard after him, seeking him with all that we are, making choices that honor and please him. And through this, we will find happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction, and contentedness in this life that every human being is seeking. Amen? I'm going to wrap it up there. Let's stand up on our feet. Guys, Wednesday night at 6.30, we are going to watch The Pursuit of Happiness. And I encourage you to come out. I believe that God is going to show you things that you hadn't seen before. And I believe through it, he can reveal things in your heart. And you can find that true happiness and fulfillment that we all seek. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we thank you that your desire is for us to find fulfillment and happiness. Lord, we may have been seeking it in so many places for so long. It might have been through acceptance of others. It might have been by accumulating things and stuff. It might have been, might have been money. It might have been recognition and promotion and title. Lord, we recognize that in our lives we have been guilty of seeking happiness through so many things and we've come up so empty because we're looking for it in all the wrong places with every head bowed you know what I'm just going to combine this whole thing if you're here and you've got a void in your life you're looking for something that you just can't that happiness to fill you haven't been able to find that happiness and that fulfillment that you've been looking for your whole life. I don't know where you've tried to find it, but this is your moment. The source of happiness and fulfillment stands before you in this moment. Jesus stands before you and says, who will you choose? Do you choose all those other things or do you choose the one who created you? Or did you, are you going to choose the one who knows what will truly satisfy your heart because he made it? In this, you, have, you may have never 
dedicated your life to Jesus before, or maybe you have. Maybe you're going to believe your whole life. Maybe you were born in the church. It doesn't mean that you've found happiness and fulfillment. It only comes through loving God, by keeping his commands, by loving our neighbor as ourself, by being like Jesus. With every head bowed, if that's you and you say, you know what? I've got that void in my life and I need to surrender it again today. If that's you and you would say, I need to surrender, lift up your hand, let me see. As I know there's folks here, yep. I know there's folks here. Here you go, another one. Who else would say, I'm not happy. Maybe you're one of those one in three Americans who say they're truly not happy. Anybody else? You say, I've got to surrender. I've got to come back to my first love. I got to come to the one who knows me more than anybody else. We're going to pray together. If you've never received Christ, you're just simply going to position your heart in a place of surrender. You're laying down your life so that Jesus can be first. You're recognizing that he laid down his life for you, that you wouldn't have to carry this junk. You wouldn't have to carry sin and guilt and shame. You wouldn't have to live a life that's, that's discontent and unfulfilled and unhappy. He took it all. So if, we, if you pray this prayer and you believe it with all your heart, you mean it with all that you are, the Bible says that you truly do become that new creation. And little by little, as you seek him, you'll find that more and more you'll find that contentedness come. And that happiness and that joy begins to fill your heart, fill your heart. And all those things that meant so much to you before, they mean less and less to you. Because he's exalted to the throne of your heart. And you're just saying, maybe like I said, maybe you've been a believer all your days. I want you're gonna pray with us too. And you're just saying, Lord, I surrender again. I recognize that my fulfillment is only found in you. And I'm gonna be diligent in seeking you starting right now. I'm going to put everything else aside. I'm going to put you in the place of my life where you need to be. And I'm going to let you be my peace and you be my satisfaction. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I have looked for happiness and I've looked in all the wrong places. I've looked for satisfaction and fulfillment and peace. And I've come up so empty. But today, I recognize Jesus, your only son. He's the source of it all. He loved me first. He came and he laid down his life for me. He carried all that junk that I wasn't meant to carry. Jesus, I believe you're who you say you are. I believe you laid down your life for me as my sacrificial lamb. You took my sin and my shame. You took my sickness and disease. You took it to the grave. And today you call me clean. I claim your sacrifice as my own. I thank you, Lord. Today I call you my Lord. I call you my Savior. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. I won't find satisfaction in the things of the world. I won't find satisfaction in the things of the flesh. 
Jesus, you're my source. You're my everything. I'll walk with you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you called me to be. I will fulfill your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise today. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.